0: pray Father, uh, Lord, as we continue here in, in the book of Esther, I do pray, God, I pray that, uh, Lord, as we watch you work behind the scenes in, in uh, areas that seem like you're not even there, and it seems like you're distant and nothing's going right, nothing's going away, I'm sure you uh, uh, mordecai expects and yet lord we see your plan coming to a coming to the conclusion that you want it to come to so i pray tonight that lord this would touch our hearts that we would realize it's not stuff that just happens in the bible or happened, you know millenniums ago but it's stuff that happens all the time and god that you are still intimately involved in your creation you haven't given up you haven't quit and greater than that god you want to be involved in our lives in every aspect of our lives and so god bless this time again draw us our hearts close to you lord and we pray these things in jesus name amen hey if you haven't been here if you were here remember chapter two we kind of that 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 chapter is kind of the to me the yuck chapter we got, you know, we got human trafficking, we got sex slaves, we got all of that going on with Ahasuerus, and you know, what a, what a funky king when you think about everything that's happening. And so from that, now remember, Mordecai has warned him about somebody coming and, and killing him, and Mordecai stopped, a, a, I was going to say a, queue, a coup, and he, and he stopped it, but nothing was said to him. Nothing's done. Now, tonight, we're going to kind of fast forward. We're going to skip like four or five years. So kind of get this picture. Esther's been queen now for four or five years. She's kind of settled into her position. She's in that place. Uh, you know, hopefully the, the, the sex trade uh, has slowed down a bit. And uh, uh, Ahasuerus is kind of cooling it on that. But so you've got four or five years, four or five years has gone by, Mordecai's heard nothing, heard nothing about what he did after, you know, he's in that position. So you have that going on, and then we're introduced to Haman, funky guy, and we'll talk more about him as we get into that. But, you know, just the things, uh, the things that happen, and once again, an interesting thing, here's another guy that kind of personifies every enemy that Israel's ever had. And this one person, and, and he does that. And when you think about that, here's the thing I love Jay Vernon McGee. You know, I, I read him just because I read him, because in my head, I hear his voice. You know, my friends, let me tell you, you know, and, and so you, you kind of hear that as you're reading. And, and uh, Jay Vernon McGee said, What blesses him is that Israel attended the funeral of every country that has come against them. Wow. That's something to think about. None of them have withstood. So, you know, you have that thing going on. So, as we look at, we'll talk more about Haman. Well, let's get into verse 1. It says, After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of uh, Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. So, Listen, we got, we got like this four or five years we hear nothing about, maybe four and a half years. We, we don't hear anything. And the next thing we hear is this guy Haman coming out of nowhere, right? I mean, he's coming out of nowhere. He gets this advancement. Mordecai doesn't. And I'm thinking, man, Mordecai's got to be bumming on a lot of levels right now. But this guy, we find out, here's the crazy thing. We get his background, and, and uh, you know, he's the son of this Hamadatha and a Gagite. Do you remember Remember Agag? The Amalekites. Hey, the Amalekites, here's what you need to understand. The Amalekites have been an enemy of Israel since day one. In Exodus, for homework, read the book of Exodus. And in Exodus, listen, they're attacked the, the, uh, I was going to say the Agagites, uh, but the Amalekites come and attack them from behind. Remember, they come and they, and they get them and they try and destroy them. And at that moment, it's in Exodus, probably, well, towards the, towards the, from the middle towards the end. So like start in chapter 15 and read to the end. And they come and they attack. And I, I only do that because I want you to read your Bibles. But they come and attack, And they attack them from behind, but in that God says, I'm gonna destroy the Amalekites because of what they've done to my people. And they make it through that, and then remember once Saul becomes king, God tells Saul, I want you to destroy those people. And you know, some people get freaked out about that. Hey, from the time they attacked them when they left Egypt, to the time of Saul was hundreds of years they had to repent, and they didn't. So God says, wipe them out. And remember what Saul did? He didn't wipe them all out. He kept one king, Agag, and some of his descendants. And then Samuel comes and and has to kind of clean up the mess, right? And uh, you can just read that in Samuel in 1 Samuel, and look at that. So a couple things, Exodus and 1 Samuel, you can read those for homework. But listen, man, that's going on. Now here's what I find interesting when we get into this. Mordecai, do you remember Mordecai's descendants from last week? He was the son of Kish, or a grandson, a Benjamite. Do you know Saul's lineage? Saul was a Benjamite. Now, you have a Benjamite here and an Agagite, if you will. That's kind of weird. It sounds weird saying it that way, but a descendant of Agag. So, hey, you kind of get a picture of this. That feud is still going on. Thousands of, you know, a thousand years later, it's still you got Mordecai here and you got Agag here, you know, or or Haman, Agag's descendant, and you have these two kind of opposing. So... That's kind of the background, right? That's what we know in the background and happening. So now you got Haman. Haman is raised up. And here's what I find interesting. He raises him up above all of the other princes, everybody. It's kind of almost like Daniel, right? Remember, Daniel was raised up by God, and, and God had him elevated. But Daniel was a good guy. Haman's a bad guy put in that position and and. uh. Proverbs 16, you can, you can check this out. Let, let me read it to you and kind of think as we read about Haman and what he does. But it says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, false witness, uh, a, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Wow, that's Haman's description, right? That's his character as we go through this. You're gonna find he, he, listen, he doesn't just meet one or two of those. He meets all of those, and he's part of those. So listen, as we go through, think about that. And then here's here's, here's what I find interesting. He raised him above, and then verse two says, and all the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman, for so the king had commanded concerning him. Now, before we read about Mordecai, I want you to think about something. They bowed and paid homage to him. Why? Not because he deserved it. Because the king commanded it. And that's interesting to me. See, Haman, I don't even think Haman was liked by the guys around him. I don't think he was liked by his contemporaries. I don't think he was liked by the people there. And he definitely wasn't liked by Mordecai. There's something, something happened somewhere, I think, down, you know, way before this. But listen, man, the king commands people to bow to him. That's not cool. If you cannot live a life that, that, you know, quote, causes people to respect you, you can't demand respect. Respect is something that people see and want to give you, not something you can demand. Albert Einstein said this, try not to become a man of success, but try to become a man of value. Yeah, that's a good quote, huh? So, hey, you have Haman now. Now listen, man, the king says everybody has to do this Haman kind of you can see him kind of flaunting around wanting people to bow down. And then it tells us at the end of verse 3 or 2, but Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Now, I don't think listen, I don't think this has anything to do with his Judaism. Because Abraham bowed to people. David bowed to Saul. You have all all through the Old Testament, Jews bowing to other Jews. It wasn't like God said you can't bow down. He said don't worship people, but he never said you can't bow and show respect. So I don't think it had, listen, I don't think it had anything to do with his Judaism. I think it had to do with you're a descendant of Agag, I'm a descendant of Benjamin, and I ain't gonna bow to you, dude. So now you have kind of this butting of heads, and and do you think think Haman knew the, who, who uh, Mordecai's uh, forefathers were. I think Mordecai definitely knew. I think, I think Haman wore his like a badge. But I think, hey, he found, well, listen, listen what happens. It says he wouldn't bow. And then verse 3 says, then the king's servants who were, with the king's, who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you transgress the king's command? So, hey, the people around him are going, here's, you know, I, I, I don't think they're just going, why are you doing that? I think they're going, dude, you're crazy. Why are you not bowing? Why are you not doing what we're called to do? And why are you resisting this? Because here's what they know. It's just going to be trouble. Remember, he's sitting in the king's gate. He's in a position of power. And now he's rejecting that and he's not, not doing that. So they're a little bit concerned. And in verse 4, now it happened when they spoke to him daily and he would not listen to him that they told it to Haman, tattletales, to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. For Mordecai had told them he was a Jew. Finally, finally it comes out. Remember when we're introduced to him? Remember what he tells Esther? Don't let the king know who you are. Now, you know, a lot of people talk about how can God use somebody because it seems like they're out of God's will, they're, they're not, you know, and number one, I don't, think, I don't think not claiming to be a Jew was necessarily sin or evil. I, I think, you know, your ethnicity doesn't make you who you are. I think if they weren't practicing Judaism, I think then, then they've got some issues going on that they need to deal with. So, you know, I, I you read some people and they go, Mordecai and Esther are so out of God's will because they didn't leave when everybody left. They're still there. And then now they're hiding their Judaism, yada, yada, yada. And uh, you know, I think it's kind of heavy to judge them, especially now. Listen, now when the rubber meets the road, check this out. When when it gets serious, what does Mordecai do? I'm a Jew. Now, I don't know if he said, I'm a Jew and I'm not gonna bow to you. That kind of sounds like a poem, huh? So I don't know if he was quite saying that or if he just proclaimed that, and and uh, he's, you know, just proclaiming his lineage, but now it's out, it's out who Mordecai is, not quite who Esther is, but he lets it out, and then it tells us, verse 5, when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay homage, Haman was filled with wrath, but his disdain but, his, he, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone for they had told him of the people of Mordecai and they had told him of the people of Mordecai. So check this out, he's angry, he wants to come after him but now he's holding it back because now he wants to go after the Jews. I love this quote, this is a quote by Richard Nixon. You don't quote, quote Nixon very often, do you? This is a great quote. Listen to this quote by Nixon. And this is after everything that happened to him. Here's what he said Always remember, others may hate you, but those who hate you don't win unless you hate them back. And then you destroy yourself. Great quote, huh? Hey, and check this out, man. This is, this is Haman, right? He hates him. He hates him because he won't bow. And I think he probably hates him because he maybe he knows he's a Benjamite. But man, listen, he has this disdain. And he, hey, he doesn't want to just get Haman. He wants to get everybody that has anything to do with Judaism. Why is that in his heart? Now, I, listen, I believe that's satanic. I'm not saying that he's filled with Satan. Satan's goal has always been, I gotta destroy God's people. Why was Satan so bent on destroying God's people? Because if he can destroy God's people at that time, then the Messiah can't come. He can stop the Messiah and stop that. I still believe all of the animosity, all of the hatred, all of the stuff poured out against Israel is still satanically induced. Why? Because if he can destroy God's people then God can't keep his promise. And it makes God, you know, makes God a liar. And I believe, listen, I believe that's what's going on to this day. It's no, why is, why is it that nation has gone through so much and so much hatred and people coming against them, yet they keep like, they keep existing, right? They try and push them down and they come right back up. And they can't do it because God keeps his promises. So, uh, listen, I, I, I understand this guy's angry and stuff, but that anger's got to be a satanically induced thing to go after Mordecai's people. I want to go after his people. I'm not going to stop till I get his people. And you can just kind of hear him spewing all of that. And then it says in, in, uh, at the end there in verse 6, he says, he, the people of Mordecai, uh, uh, instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus the people of Mordecai now i want us to kind of keep in mind because i think it's important to kind of get a big picture of this do you know who's in charge of Jerusalem Ahasuerus that's still part of his kingdom, so keep that in mind. Listen, this is going to be far-reaching. It's not just hanging out there in, in, you know, the area of Susa and stuff. This is going to go all the way, and we're going to find out, man, he wants to destroy the Jews, and again, personifying how many people have tried to do that. The Egyptians tried to do it. The, you know, now you got Haman trying to do it. You have Hitler trying to do it. And, and even today, how many people around Israel feel they have no right to exist Not just, listen, not just to exist as as that state there in the middle of that nation. They feel they have no right to breathe the same air we're breathing. They disdain them. Why? They haven't done anything to them. And again, it's that whole uh, hatred breeded in because, again, I believe Satan wants to try and destroy. Now, I really wish Satan would read the end of the book because my god wins. Every time every time I read the end of Revelation, my god wins and I'm thinking, you know, hey, I believe, listen, I believe this creature we call Satan is intelligent. I believe, listen, man, he's got a lot of years behind him, a lot of experience. So he's not a dummy, but I just think he's got to know the end. Right? He's got he's got to know the end. And yet he's fighting so hard, he won't give up. So Hey, he wants to destroy them. He wants to get rid of the Jews, and he's focused Haman's. Now, listen, Haman puts all of his focus on that. Verse 7 tells us in the first month, which is the month, which is the month of Nisan, in the 12th year of King Ahasuerus, back in, in, in chapter 2 and verse 16, it was in, in uh, uh, it was, the king was in his, uh, fifth year or seventh year now he's in his 12th year here so again the five years so in the 12th year of King Ahasuerus they called they I'm sorry they cast per. that is a lot before Haman to determine the day and the month so here's what they're trying to do when are we going to destroy the Jews you got to remember these guys these Persians they were extremely extremely superstitious and they were all about their deities and their gods and, and they had to learn all about that. So so listen, man, he doesn't want to do anything outside of that. That's why he's quote rolling the dice. We can say it that way. Casting, trying to find out what his gods are going to tell him. So he's asking more or less. He's asking his gods, when shall I destroy him? Which is to me kind of like, that just gets weird. But he wants to destroy them and he's all about coming after them. So listen, man, to determine the day and the month. And then it says, until it fell on the 12th month, which is the month of Adar. Now let's think about this. It's the first month and the lot fell on the 12th month. Why do they have a whole year? Why would you wait a whole year practically to destroy these people? I think for a couple reasons. Number one, first and foremost, God. Right, God is working his plan. Number two, I think there's a little bit, I think there's some greed going on and I think they're thinking, hey, maybe the Jews will just get out of here and we can get all their stuff. And they'll just leave and they'll leave their stuff behind, although they're planning on killing them and taking their stuff, so I'm not sure that's it. But a whole year before they're gonna destroy them anyway. Now, most of us understand, I don't know if you picked up on they cast the purr and Israel celebrates Purim kind of from that same word. Now, when they celebrate Purim, here's what here's the crazy thing. They read the book of Esther, they gather together in a synagogue and they read the book of Esther. And every time Haman's name is mentioned, they stomp their feet and they yell. I'm trying to remember exactly what they yell. They stomp their feet and they yell, may his name be blotted out forever. So that, hey, you know how many times his name's in here? I'm thinking, man, that'd have to be a rowdy meeting, huh? They'd have to have some crazy stuff going on there. So that's what they're doing. So it comes out of this kind of casting a lot. So it's 12 months. Now, little does he know, I did read ahead. Haman hasn't read ahead yet. (laughs) Here's what I know. He's going to be gone within three months. So now he's got a plan. He consulted his gods. He has a plan. Now he goes to the king, and listen to what he says to the king, because I think this is important. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, there is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from all other peoples, and they do not keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. So There's some truth, hey, according to Deuteronomy chapter four, God gave them law like no other law, right? God changed everything when he gave Israel the law. It was like no other kingdom that had a law like that. So that part's true, but they weren't disobeying his laws. They weren't doing anything against the king. Remember, the kings before them, they went back and forth to get permission to make sure they were doing the right thing. So they're not doing that, so he's a liar, right? prideful we've already figured that out he's swift to shed innocent blood etc all of those things the lord hates so he tells the king so he out and out lies to the king these guys are bad and here's what he says so therefore they shouldn't remain i'm thinking man that's kind of a heavy thing i don't agree with you so here's what i think you shouldn't be allowed to live That's kind of extreme, isn't it, when you think about things going on and and what's happening? So politics hasn't changed a whole bunch, has it? I had to say it, I'm sorry. Back to this, back to this. It just was there, it was right there. So, so. So listen, verse nine, and if it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work to bring it into the king's treasuries. Now, listen, this is a little complex. Number one, he's offering to pay the equivalent of like $60 million. That's a hey, in other words, this offer he made was over 60% of the annual budget of the Persians. That's I mean, this is is insane. I don't know where he's going to get this money. I don't know if he's thinking, I'm going to rip off these Jews and I'm going to get everything they have. I don't know if Haman's been ripping people off for centuries. You know, it almost takes centuries, right, to get that far ahead. In other words, he's got the economy of a small nation that he's going to, hey, I'm going to give you this money. Where are you going to get, my question if I were king, dude, where are you going to get that much money? Where are you going to get all that? But, he offers and it 's kind of crazy i don't, I, I still i 'm not figuring out he offers to pay the king ten thousand but he says he 's going to put it into the hands of those who do the work and then and then he says but i 'm going to bring it into the king 's treasuries so i 'm not sure I think he 's double talking and he 's doing all this, so the king now the king does respond, listen, so the king took his signet ring from his hand and he gave it to Haman. We'll talk about that in a moment. The son of Hamadatha the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the money and the people are given to you. Do with them as it seems good to you to do. So I believe, listen, I believe the king is saying, just keep your money. I don't want your money. But you go do, now, Ahasuerus is kind of, he's kind of distant from things, right? Just go do it. Just go take care of it. And the signet ring is what they would use to stamp something to make it official, right? They would heat some wax and you'd stamp your ring. That was like the, the seal, right, or the signature of the king. And so he says, you've got this power. In other words, you have the power to do whatever you want. Go take care of it. And I'm thinking, that's kind of wild, now, do you think Ahasuerus is tired? I mean, he did have the bad campaign. Don't forget, now it's been maybe six years, five and a half years he went against Greece. And they said he might have lost upwards of a million men. So he went against Greece. That was a fiasco. Maybe, maybe he's just like worn out and tired. And he goes, you know what? You want to go do that? You want to go fight that battle? Here's my ring. Go. I got, you know, I got all these ladies here. So what do I need to go do that? I don't know what's going on in his head. But he's not, he's like, to me he's like not interested in what's happening. And I'm thinking, that is not good for the king, right? You kind of want to shake him. Do you ever want to get in your Bible and like help out? Come on. Listen to what's going on, man. Listen to what this guy just said. Open your ears, right? So the king said, go do it. And then listen. So now, now it's set up and it's time to go for it, right? So Haman... Check this out. Verse 12, then the king's scribes were called on the 13th day of the first month. So listen, they haven't taken a long time to, uh, to do this. You know, they just started on the first month. I don't know if it's the first day, but now they're day 13 and he's ready to rock and roll and he's ready to go for it. That's how angry Haman is, right? So he gets all the scribes and he says, and a decree in the middle of verse 12 was written according to all that Haman commanded to the kings, satraps, to the governors who were over each province, to the officials of all the people, to every province according to its script and every people in their language in the name of King Ahasuerus, it was written and sealed with the king's signet ring. So here's here's what he does. He gets ready, he gets it all together and now he writes it in every language and he sends it out. Now again, I gotta be thinking, did he write it in Hebrew? Did he send it to Israel? Because remember, they're there right, where we left off. You guys are with us, right, studying long enough. Remember, they're there with Ezra. They're hanging out with Ezra right now trying to build the temple. This is going on over here. Now all of a sudden there's a command that you need to destroy all the Jews. I don't know about you guys, but I gotta be thinking if I'm in Israel and Jerusalem especially and I'm building that temple and I get a letter saying we're gonna kill all the Jews, I don't know if I'd be working on the temple. I think I might head for Petra. I don't know, it existed yet, but I'm out of there, right? I'm I'm the guy, you know, you fight or flight? I'm a flighter. I am so gone and you know, you guys can take care of this. I'm not if they're going to kill me, I'm gone. And so, I'm looking at this thinking this is kind of this is kind of strange and all the other people, in and in, well, we'll get to it in a moment. So he sends all that out and gets it ready. The letters, verse 13, and the letters were sent by couriers into all the king's province to destroy and kill and annihilate all the Jews. What kind of letter is that? That is bizarre. I mean, if hey, if you're another ethnicity and you're not pure Persian, don't you think, don't you, think you might be thinking, I wonder if we're next? because he's doing some ethnic cleansing is what he's doing. And it's gross, and he's ready to do it. You talk about, you know, you talk about stuff going on in our generation, all of it is in the book of Esther. And he's like, he's, he's trying to wipe out a whole ethnicity. And you know, yeah, it happens to be Jews, but hey, you can put any ethnicity. He's wiping out a group of people. That's what he wants to do, and he says, hey, I'm sending a letter, and here's what I'm saying. Kill and annihilate all the Jews. you got to be reading that if you're someplace. you got to be going, what on earth is going on? What did the Jews do? How come we're getting this letter? Who is this? You might even say, who is this Haman dude that he's like on a rampage, right? So he sent it. And it said, annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women in one day on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their possessions. So let's wipe them out and let's kill them all on the 13th, we could call it the 13th of December, the 13th of Adar, their last month, and let's do that. Now, part of why maybe it took so long, it's going to take a while for that letter to get dispersed, right? You're talking about his whole kingdom. Hey, they didn't have Instagram. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have those things to get it all out there posted real quick. So, hey, people got to be carrying those letters and doing things. So that's part of it. it would take a, I would think it would take a couple months just to get everybody informed to do this, but then as I'm saying, you got all of these people doing it and somebody's gotta be thinking this is, this is rather strange and this is a, an intense thing to receive. Think if you received that letter and you're hanging out, maybe you're on a far corner of Persia and you get this letter and you're going, what just happened? Here's the king's signet. So the king's part of this. Haman's obviously part of this. And especially if you're in Israel, wow, they're going to kill us all. That'd kind of freak you out a little bit, right? I, I think it would. And, and it's interesting how we kind of don't hear that part of it. Verse 14 says, and a copy of the document was to be issued as law in every province being published for all people that they should be ready for that day. He wants everybody involved in this. So I think he's thinking, civilians, I don't care who you are, we want you involved. The couriers, verse 15, went out hastened by the king's command. And the decree was proclaimed in Susa, the citadel. So it's proclaimed there in the capital, right? Shushan, the capital there. And then check this out. So the king and Haman sat down to drink. Seriously? Seriously? Like, you just issued a command to wipe out a people. I mean, this king was one partying guy, wasn't he? And every time you turn around, he's having some kind of feast or party or something. And hey, Haman, you got that letter written? Yeah, I got it all sent out. Come on over. Let's sit down and have a, we'll have, you know, we'll we'll toast to it, I guess. Man, I think Haman's, Haman's bad, but this king's not much better. This king was, well, he was demented. So he sat down to drink, drink, and I think, and eat. But listen to this part. But the city of Sushan was perplexed. You see, the king is so detached from the people that he's not even understanding that the people are going, what's going on? And especially, let's think about this, in the capital. This is where the king hangs out, Right? This is where all of this, you know, all the laws, everything are are, are handled. And you got this guy, Mordecai, who's been at the king's gate as a judge for now five years. And now it comes out that he's a Jew and they want to kill all the Jews. You got to be asking what? What just happened? What changed? You know, maybe, I I think maybe some of them knew he was a Jew, maybe not. Maybe I'm just reading into it. But now they know. And they've been working with him. They've been watching him. I'm sure he's a man that's got good character. Hadn't been fired yet. So here's the whole city. You got a whole city going, what's going on? What's happening? The king's gonna be kind of silent about it. You got to wonder, you know, you, you, you kind of wish you could go back in time and talk to this individual. What, what kind of king were you? It seems like you were just into one thing. You know, you were into the whole party and women, and that was it. And everything else for you was just, you passed it off to somebody else, let somebody else take care of it. And, and now you've got this crisis coming, and this king has no idea how big this crisis is. He's opened up something that is gonna come back at him. Chapter four, we're not gonna do chapter four tonight. But it's gonna come back and then think about, listen carefully, think about the decisions you make that affect other people. And I like to emphasize, we all affect people. Some of us have larger spheres of influence than others, but we all affect people, we're not islands. Think about this. King Saul's decision, centuries before this, affected this situation because of a decision he made. And down, you know, it carried on down the road until it finally got to this point. That's pretty intense, right? This king's decision is going to affect him desperately in a couple months that he's going to have to figure some things out. And you and I need to understand, man, sometimes we hear people say things and do things, and we're kind of like, okay, well, you know what? Yeah, maybe that sounds good. Yeah, let's go that direction. And you've not prayed through it. You've not thought through it. You've not sought counsel and looking at it. And then, hey, you make a decision that you're going to affect people, real lives. You know what? I think what I, I try and get us involved in these in these scripture uh, times because These are real people. There's real people's lives involved. Hey, I know it happened a long time ago, and I know it's history, but this was reality for them as they're living it. And they have to live through that. Now, you gotta think about Mordecai. What is he thinking right now? I saved the king's life. They were gonna kill him. Remember, you guys remember the the two guys gonna kill him? They were gonna kill the king. And I warned him and I saved him. And this is what I get? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you've done something? Yes! And then you don't get maybe the recognition you should and even worse than that, you kind of get come down on and people come against you, people say things about you I don't think too many people try and kill you, I don't know, maybe they're trying to kill you, maybe you're one of those, I don't know. But generally, I've never had anybody come and I don't think tried to kill me. But sometimes we feel like we got cheated. And here's what I want us to understand, this is why I love the book of Esther. Nobody's getting cheated here. Even though it looks like, from their perspective in chapter three, Everything is bad. Everything is wrong. Nothing is going right. And again, if you're in Jerusalem, especially, I think especially if you're in Jerusalem, wow, we just finally got this building thing going again. And now I'm sure, I'm sure Ezra's ready to pull someone's hair out, but you, you'll get that later on when we finish Ezra. But listen, man, it's gonna be a tough time. And you and I face those times. We live life. And I don't know if your life's perfect, but mine's not. And things happen and come in my life and I'm thinking, why is this in my life right now? I really don't need this. I didn't, I didn't like sign up for this. Why is this happening? And if I stop and I'm still and I listen to God, here's what he says. It's happening because I'm working my plan and you have to trust me, Mordecai. He didn't call me Mordecai. But here, Mordecai, you got to trust me. You got to trust me. But it doesn't look too good right now, God. I know. I know it looks really bad. You should see it from my perspective. But we got this. Don't ever forget that, saints. God is in control. Let's stand up and pray. Father, as we get ready to close here and we think about what we've read tonight in this section, I do thank you, God, that no matter how ugly or dark or hard, maybe even use the word impossible it gets for us, that nothing's impossible with you. And that, God, that we don't see the big picture. We have our little tiny perspective that we look at, and Lord, you've got the end from the beginning. You know all things. And I pray that we would learn to trust you. I pray that we would be a people. God who no matter what's going on, that we would know that you are there. And Lord, that you do care about us. And we thank you for that, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.